0: Setting up the 18th AFL franchise in a region not familiar with the code was never going to be easy. Strong leadership was going to be required to face the challenges that came along in the early years of growth and transformation. The Leaders Podcast speaks with the people who've shaped this club and have helped play key roles the club has grown from not just a men's football team but to now include an AFL women's side as well as Giants netball. When people speak of a football club, they often think of kicks and handballs, but the Giants have quickly grown to be so much more than that. Welcome to The Leaders. At the end of the last podcast, we said that this episode would feature Giants netball coach Julie Fitzgerald. But with 21 of the Giants' AFL women's players signing new contracts to return to the club in 2020, we thought it'd be far more appropriate to hear from their skipper, Amanda Ferrugia. The full-time physical education teacher joined award-winning journalist and Giants recruiter Emma Quayle during a lunch break at her school to talk about her journey in football. Amanda, thank you for
1: coming along to have a chat today. Um, I'm thinking that when you started playing AFL footy, you didn't, couldn't possibly have imagined you'd be, you'd be captaining a national league team one day.
2: No, started with very humble beginnings in 2011. I really just wanted to change up the kinds of sports that I was involved with. And I was quite bored of doing touch football and basketball. I'd done them for most of my life and I really wanted to change. And AFL kind of encompassed all the skills that I, I enjoyed doing in the backyard and Um, Thought I could translate that into a bit more of an organised sport. So turned up to Macquarie University for a training session and, you know, loved it and never thought I'd do anything else again. But I I definitely didn't think that I'd be where I am today. And uh, it's all kind of happened very quickly. And when I reflect back, um, it's been a huge whirlwind. So
1: it was just for fun. So started just for something new in the early days. Started for fun.
2: I'm a pretty competitive person though. So when I say it was for fun, it probably never looked like I was having fun when I was on the field because I always look angry. But yeah. uh, I was enjoying myself immensely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So did you, like, did you follow AFL as someone who'd grown up in, in Western Sydney? Were you an actual AFL fan? at that point in your life?
2: I knew bits and pieces about the sport. My brother was a huge AFL fan and avid Hawthorne Hawks supporter. So I had no choice but to kind of have a bit of an insight into the game because he'd often sit watching Hawks games and if they weren't winning, he'd often throw the remote at the TV and you'd obviously have to have your attention turned to it. So, um, look, it wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a huge fan or a passionate supporter, but um, I'm a sport lover in general, so I was definitely interested in the game.
1: So what made you think, yeah, I want to play this?
2: I like kicking and that was obviously a huge part of the game and when I turned up to my first training session I remember it was like a 40 degree day there were about six or seven girls there and I thought oh pretty sure there's more people on an AFL field than this uh, but I'll have a go anyway and I remember that training session I think it was an hour and a half and we were on this hot windy oval there weren't there wasn't anyone else around and we had about four footballs semi-pumped footballs and we basically just kicked in lanes for about an hour and I loved it I totally loved it probably got a quad strain out of it but um just that the 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 joy of kicking and catching it sounds very fundamental but um I really enjoyed that aspect
1: of the game so that was what attracted me to it yeah that's the basics of it I suppose that's what it's kind of all about when you boil it boil it right down it is and is it true you just you hopped on your computer and hopped onto google and where can I play AFL is that how you kind of found found your team
2: I had no idea what the opportunities and possibilities were for girls to play footy and I remember thinking to myself I wonder if girls can play I'm like it's 2011 you'd think there would be some sort of opportunity for girls to play contact sports now so I just I think I just typed in can women play AFL in Sydney or women's AFL in Sydney and I discovered there was a whole national competition Um, and I thought this is pretty awesome this is um, more than what I ever expected And, um, yeah, so that's where it all started. Yeah. What level had you got to with your other sports? The levels were – pretty low to be honest. I played rep basketball through my teenage years and I never really grew much taller than five foot three or five foot four. So I, I definitely didn't have a future in that and probably wasn't good enough. And I played touch football and there's not really many pathways for touch footy these days. I mean, a lot of the girls who play touch end up playing rugby sevens or something along those lines. But when I was growing up, touch footy was purely for a social aspect. So I played in lots of different teams growing up and uh, I dabbled in those things at school as well. So I never really thought that I'd um, make anything of the sports that I engaged with and AFL was the first thing that um actually showed that I could I could play and I was all right and uh, I had a bit of a future how old were you when you started playing AFL I was old I was 25 so relative to some of the girls coming (laughs) through now I was not a spring chicken um but I guess that's been a reason why potentially I can play a little bit later into my
1: 30s yeah so I'm just wondering what it's like when, and I guess at 25 you're starting to think about what else you're doing with your life. Anyway, you're not an 18, 19 year old athlete, but to start doing something and find that you're quite good at it, but there's kind of nowhere to go. Like at that stage, um, this competition didn't exist, and it's like, well, yeah, you just I guess playing because you love it, and you you're good at it. But yeah, what's it like when there's sort of nowhere to really go with it?
2: To be honest, I was okay with that because. It did all I had been used to prior to that. You know, when I played basketball, like I knew there was a WNBL or something along those lines, but I was never good enough or tall enough. And touch footy, I really just thought it was a social thing. I know that there, you, you could play reps, but that didn't lead anywhere any anyway. So playing to, playing AFL, I just thought, look, there's this, there's this cool Sydney-based competition. There's teams from everywhere. Like it's obviously p- representing a pretty large portion of, you know, the most populated area of New South Wales. So I thought this is – I was happy with this. It was pretty good. But then I got insight and word about uh, state-based games and and national sort of carnivals um, with states and territories represented and I thought, uh, you know, that I could have put my hand up to play those but – I don't think I was quite ready to push myself out of my comfort zone. I didn't think that I was good enough and I'd heard the Victorians and Western Australians were pretty strong and I thought, well, I can't put my hand up for these things. I've been playing this game for five minutes and, you know, who do you think you are? So I was pretty content just sitting back and playing for Macquarie Uni and just toiling away every weekend and, um, yeah, looking back, the sport has come a long way in a very short space of time.
1: So what did you think then when they announced they were bringing the the women's league forward and, and getting it started? couple of years ago did you think you were going to be good enough for that
2: I wasn't sure to be honest and I think a lot of the girls were unsure about their standing relative to other players across the country and particularly us, us girls from New South Wales we've never really had opportunities to compare ourselves to other athletes unless you played in those um, state-based carnivals and national comps so I had no idea where I sat in the mix um, you know there are different people who support you and say that you're good enough, but really you need to prove that to yourself and you can't do that unless you're playing against the best. So I really didn't know, but I was willing to throw my hat in the ring. I was very nervous about it, um, but you don't know if you don't try and um, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. What about being made captain then? That was a huge shock and in the first year in particular, I thought, you know, I've got all these girls from the, from the team who have played a lot longer than I have from interstate, um, you know, do they think that I don't know enough about the game and I definitely have my weaknesses and but then I thought to myself well the players have have voted me in and and the club is supportive of this this decision so they obviously see something in me and now I've got to rise to the expectation I guess and um, I knew what my strengths were uh, as well so I I knew that I had an eagerness and a willingness to learn and I wanted to be a good football player and um, at the end of the day I think role modelling good work ethic is probably one of the most fundamental things about leadership and I was more than happy to do that in spades so as long as I had that as the driver of all the things that I did then I, I, I eventually you know um,
1: realised that I would be all right. Yeah I was going to ask you that I was going to ask what you think they saw in you because it's hard to reflect on on yourself sometimes like that but what yeah what do you think they saw in you that made them want want you to be leading them? If I'd read their
2: votes, then I would know why. Initially in the first year when we voted for the leadership team, we wrote our top three preferences for captain, uh, wrote their names and then we wrote a little reason why we thought that they would be good leaders. So that would have been given me an excellent insight. Um, You didn't get to see that? I didn't get to see that. No, I, I, to be honest, I did my votes and walked away and didn't think anything else about it because I was really just head down, bum up, trying to do my best to get a spot in round one. And I think potentially um, my teaching background has an impact on um, understanding people. And, you know, when I go into a, a sporting team with a range of different people, I don't make assumptions about who people are and how they operate and I really like to try and get to know them first and I mean developing relationships in that context is so important because you've got such a diverse range of people from different backgrounds and if you don't do the legwork early to to get on the same page then how are you ever going to be able to have connection out on the field and um, because it was the first year as well I thought that was a really critical factor so I try to give everybody the time of day and get to know them as best as I can and um, for myself and also for them so we both feel connected and um, you know I I did have a few things to say and the things that I say in a group context aren't necessarily just about, you know, what we should be doing on the field or the structures and all that kind of thing, but it's more about um, work ethic, what we need to do to make sure that we can get up and about for the weekend's game, um, our attitude and focus is in the right direction and um, I I feel a need to say those things. So, I mean, having a voice and hopefully building relationships were a couple of the things that some of the girls saw in me and why they voted for me, but really, honestly, I'll never know. And that doesn't matter. No, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Um, I, I'm not. I understand that in this environment, you're not always going to be told what you're good at. Um, you need to learn to cope with that and accept that. And I mean, even if you play the, be- the best game in the world, you might not ever get a pat on the back for it, and that's just the way it is. And I mean, I'm I'm a bit older now, so I can manage to self-regulate a bit more and still be able to get on with the job, even if somebody's not saying, "Fridge, you're doing a good job."
1: Yeah, you don't need the pats on the back. They're the not us, but yeah, they're nice, but I can manage. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been fun, like, that first year, as you said, like, players coming at it from all sorts of different angles, all sorts of different experiences that had got them to that point. Like, you'd been playing for a while but probably didn't see this league as, as being around maybe in your time versus kids who had probably been told at 12, 13, 14 that there's no point. Continuing to play like... Yeah, such an eclectic group of people it must have been.
2: In a way, I'm kind of lucky that I started when I was 25 because everything has risen very quickly in the AFL landscape since that time. So I had about four or five years of just enjoying local footy, playing local footy before I ever thought about taking it further. So I was able to establish some basic skill level, some knowledge about the game. Um, And in that time, I... In that time, I developed a real love for the sport. So when the opportunity came to play for New South Wales, I felt I was prepared to some extent. My greatest fear, though, was whether or not I was good enough to compete against other girls who were the best in their state. So there was... When I applied for the draft, there was a sense of um, fear that I I wasn't good enough, and self-doubt is probably something that hinders most professional athletes i know professional female athletes in particular throughout the, the um, throughout the years that they play sport and it definitely was a factor in um, or an overarching theme in my head but at the end of the day you can only put yourself forward and if you're not good enough they'll they won't pick you and you'll just have to deal with that and i'm somebody who can deal with those uh, setbacks you
1: may as well find out you might as well
2: find out yeah just, yeah uh, no point going through the rest of your life and not giving it a go because um, that would lead to some serious regret i think
1: yeah How do you go about leading a team where it's a short season, it's just a short part of the year, everyone's got to have other lives, other jobs, other things to do, but yet you want them to turn up and and form a unit and and be as professional as possible? Like is there a balance there between driving those standards but also understanding that people have other things in their lives that that are important to them?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's a big understanding at the Giants that uh –
1: A lot of the girls in our team have other
2: stuff going on in their life and football is not priority number one all the time. I think that's what makes us uh, a successful team. We've got people who – a lot of our players have come from interstate. We've got girls who work full-time, girls who work part-time, girls who don't work at all. We've got girls who've never studied before, um, girls with years of experience in life and some people have kids. So – There's not a one-size-fits-all rule for everybody. Some people have to have some slightly different, um, I guess, boundaries in their AFLW, um, I guess, life because if we just paint everybody with the same brush, then sometimes people aren't going to be able to meet the expectations we set for them. So I think it's about understanding where people are coming from um, and the limitations that they might have in their life. Um, Driving the standards can be challenging at times because – you know, Alan might have set uh, a rule in place for one player, um, but there might be um, some slightly lean, more lenient rules put in place for other players because they're completely different. And, you know, wearing the, the right uniform, for example, might not be something that makes them train their best. And at the end of the day, we want to be good footy players. And if you're wearing a different hat, to what everybody else is wearing, I don't think that's having a huge impact on um, the whole team. Um, But at the same time, we've got a leadership group that have very different personalities and that enables us to bring different perspectives to the group when we have leadership team meetings. So um, everybody talks to different people in the the team and they hear and see different things and it's that varied personality, um, those varied personality styles that I guess, enable us to get insights into how the whole team is working and we pretty much know where everybody is in terms of their mindset at any given time Um, we've also got people who are pretty emotionally aware and intuitive as well so if, if somebody in the team's not coping so well if somebody on the team's not coping so well we usually um can read into that quite quickly so no one ever sort of plods along without being checked in on um, pretty quickly so we're a leadership team in particular that um, makes sure everybody's functioning well um, both outside of the game and inside of the game and like I said I think it's making sure that the entire um, all the dimensions of the person are faring pretty well to be able to get them to play the best footy possible
1: yeah what are the things you're trying to instill or in or teach some of the the new players coming in the teenagers who and you'll probably be playing for quite a while yet, but they're hopefully going to have the opportunity to to carve a, a real career out of playing footy and playing, playing sport and um, in their, in their lifetime, in their career. What do you kind of want them to have in place in these early days?
2: The most important thing for the young girls in particular is to change their focus from being inward to being a little bit more outward and team focused. When you're a new player, you're so concerned about how you are operating, whether or not you're meeting the expectations of the coach, the older girls, whether you're playing your role, whether or not you're going to get a game this weekend. So that can lead you very quickly to just focusing on yourself and how you're going rather than what your job is on the weekend for the team. And, um, the more you can encourage girls to buy into what we're doing, um, and jump on board the uh, the focuses for the Giants girls and the brand that we're trying to bring to the table each week, then the more that their progress in the game is going to fast track because girls need to understand that your role is not just about you playing well, it's you playing well in conjunction with what the coach wants you to do on the weekend. So um, some other things as well is a lot of the young players have come from places where they are the best in every facet of football and um, we're fortunate enough to have young players in our side who are very humble by no means do they have an ego at all and I think that's a testament to their families uh, but also a testament to their individual character um, because it'd be very easy to have young players come into the mix being pumped up their whole youth career being told how good they are and then um, bringing that same mentality to a team of well-established players um, which can really rock the boat so I think making sure that they stay grounded is extremely important and that's a huge responsibility of the leaders at our club and uh, like I said we haven't had to um, tap into that at all we've got girls who are very very uh, very grounded um, but it's something that we always keep an eye on
1: yeah how patient do you have to be as well with the fact that this is a Uh, yeah it's third year in but it's still like a reasonably new comp maybe even casting back to the first year when players vastly different ages different levels of experience different types of experience everyone's just yeah new to it really um and just the expectations you can have of on performance and where everyone's going to be at in that sense did you have to be patient with that early doors oh early
2: days We were all over the shop. You know, you had girls that had been playing for a really short space of time like I was. You had girls that were older but had only been playing for four or five years. And you had girls that had been playing since they were six or seven years old. So that plays a factor in the whole situation. But at the end of the day, you you have to make sure that you're at a a decent skill level. But in saying that, you wouldn't be picked otherwise. I think it's going to be harder and harder as time goes on because – if players are drafted from pre-existing leagues who haven't had the opportunity to be nurtured in a youth pathway, they are going to be coming from further back than the well-established players within the AFLW. So the longer that the league exists, the harder it is going to be to draft girls from um, local clubs and the bigger the gap um, that's going to exist. So you might find that teams want to just trade players who've already been in the system rather than taking players from uh local leagues elsewhere okay yeah that'll be interesting to see how that all, yep. all pans out definitely. really mm-hmm. yeah the good thing is that we've got more and more girls coming from well established pathways now yep. so they've had the experience and the the training and exposure to the elite environment so it's going to make it harder for girls like the way i was picked up just from a local footy club yeah to jump straight into to jump it straight in yep yeah definitely yeah.
0: Time for a quick break on the Leaders Podcast to talk about Giants of Business. This exciting new project is part of the Giants commercial program, focusing on making connections and business referrals across the Giants corporate partner network. The Giants have a strong portfolio of blue chip corporate and community partners, with this program making it easier to connect than ever before. Through a range of events and strategic introductions, the Giants of Business program is an opportunity not to be missed. For more information, contact Anthony Butler. His details are available in the description of this podcast. Now back to the leaders.
1: How do you manage work and and leading this team and, and, and playing sport at the level that you play it when you've got? You know, imagine you've got, yeah, you come to work and you do a day and all sorts of stuff happens happens at school and you you're thinking about that. Can you need to switch that off once you, once you pull into training? It gets harder and harder every year, I think, and that's
2: basically because the AFLW is becoming more professional and the school context is becoming more regulated and there's a lot more paperwork. And I think there's been stories written recently about the increased um, administration that teachers have to manage. Um, the great thing for me is that I do have the ability to kind of switch off and compartmentalise different facets of my life and try not to think about them too much depending on where I am in the day. So the great thing about being at work, when I say work, I mean at school, is that the, the students are so demanding that you have nothing else in your mind other than what their needs are at that point in time and when you're in the in the rhythm of teaching a lesson all you're thinking about is the next thing that you're going to be teaching and and the content that you're covering so uh in that way it's quite refreshing being able to get footy footy totally out of my mind when I'm at school uh but then when I'm at footy I'm enjoying it so much that all I'm thinking about is what I'm doing in that present moment so um but aside from all that and being able to sort of focus my attention purely on what i'm doing in that moment it doesn't mean that i don't get tired and i don't get frustrated and you know there is there last night i got home at 10 o'clock at night and had to have dinner and saw myself out for the next day and that that is really hard and you've got to have people in your life that are supportive um uh, both from a school point of view so the the people that lead this school but also from the football club point of view and um it's great that you've come to me today and you're doing this interview in my school because there's no way i would have been able to do it at the giants and um I'm very fortunate to have people that understand the the privilege of being able to play AFLW both at the footy club and uh, but also at my school. So my principal's very um, very generous in being um, very forthcoming with giving me days off when I have to travel, and um, he's come down to a few games too. So the staff here are very supportive. Got some new members. Got some new members out lots of lots of new members <laughs> and uh, a fair few of the students too.
1: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> who do you use as, as mentors in maybe in, in your capacity as a leader but have you done many leadership roles before in the other sports that you'd played? It's an interesting one you speak to anybody
2: who's in any kind of leadership role and they will often talk about and refer to people that have mentored them in their time and these people might not have started off as a mentor per se but they've ended up leaning on them and relying on them for information or for advice from time to time and I I've looked back and reflected on significant people in my life and I actually cannot pinpoint somebody who I considered to be a mentor and I don't know if that's because I'm the kind of person that seems like I've got everything sorted out. I really don't know if that's the case. Um, I look back and think now, could I have done things better? And I definitely could have and I could have made different decisions from time to time, both in my professional life as a teacher and uh, my leadership role at the Giants and at the end of the day, I just want to be the best that I can be in both of those areas, and but nobody can be perfect. So I probably could have leaned on people at different times rather than trying to fix things myself. And um, I remember in the first year when we were losing every week and the girls' morale was really down and I didn't know who to seek out. Um, we weren't supported in the best way from a leadership group point of view in Season 1 and um, the person that I sought out was actually Alan McConnell, our current coach. And I had a really casual conversation with him about what the heck do I do to try and keep these girls afloat when things are going so bad. And, you know, he just basically said to me that you need to make sure that you remind them their reasons for playing this game and the reasons they, they run out on the field every week and stay connected and... Even though we got belted every week and had a pretty miserable season, one thing uh, stood out, and it was our ability to stay cohesive. So, you know, those words really resonated with me, and um, I'm fortunate enough to have Alan as a role model now. And I wouldn't say that he, you know, is very forthcoming with lots of pieces of advice about leadership, but he doesn't need to say anything because he does it through his through his actions. I was so, going to
1: say, how good's he been for you? Yeah, I mean, last he's, year in a bit, he's had a massive
2: influence and when the chips are down, he really, that's when he comes to the fore. If, you, if you're killing it, you're not going to hear anything from him. And it's usually when times are tough that um, he becomes a presence. And I think that is particularly important because he reads those situations. So he reads people and he understands people and he knows his players well enough to know when he has to step in and for a man who who's involved with the men's space and the women's space, and you know, has a lot of people that he has to liaise with, um, his ability to be, be able to make time for each person and give them the things that they need to get the best out of them as footy players is quite remarkable. And um, you know, I'm very lucky to have been under his uh, leadership as a coach, and I've learned a lot about myself and about uh, footy as a result of his influence
1: yeah absolutely so how do you go so given given that it hasn't been your in your nature to yeah to actively seek out mentors how do you now are you now becoming one do you think to the to the younger players coming through or do you want to be that i almost feel i have a responsibility to do it because i always
2: put my try and put myself in other people's shoes and you know i try and think about the experience right now of kids in our team like elise parker and Aaron mckinnon and haneen and I just think you know imagine how intimidating it would be as an 18 19 year old to come into an an elite sporting environment with grown women and there are a lot of them and you have to play your best every week and do these huge training sessions and lift weights and it's new and it's scary and you want to fit in and you don't know if you're doing enough and um, I just think that being um, I guess reminded every now and again that you're doing a good job and that they're on track is you know a really important thing that leaders should be doing and it's not for any other reason than that you want them to have a good experience and you want them to be the best footy players they can be. And I mean, it's, it's so impressive seeing the talent that they have. And if you can do a little bit more just to nurture that talent, not from a footy skills perspective, but from a, um, just getting this best out of yourself sort of person, then I think the possibilities for them could be endless. And, you know, we've already seen how talented they are from a football point of view and, um, sometimes they have to be told what they're what they're good at and I mean somebody like Elise Parker in particular she's got skills but I don't think she realizes yet how um how highly the club regards her as a person too so you know she's the f- future of a footy club and she needs to know that so and I think that's our responsibility to tell her that
1: yeah okay it's I just find it really interesting like just for a new team as well like you know how every team kind of has their own identity and way of doing things and their own personality is not the right word but Every team has a different feel about it. Like to have been at this one since the, since the beginning, it must be exciting because you, you guys are the ones who are deciding what it is and what it stands for and how it functions and all those sorts of things. Yeah, it is important,
2: because, especially because we want to establish a brand that we're proud of as players because we don't get the respect as much, I don't think, from the broader football community because we're a New South Wales-based team. We um, we kind of use that to our advantage in that we have these standards that are kind of very private to us, and um, no one really asks about or, or cares about, and that kind of fuels our fire a little bit more as well. That you know um, we want to create a product and a brand that's not not we keep to ourselves, but um, is really integral to everything that we do and drives our behaviour on and off the field. And you know we're a team that prides itself on being ruthless and competitive, and You know, we might not always play the most skillful brand of footy, but you cannot ever question our effort. and um, We're a team that prides itself on making sure there aren't um, any uh, overbearing egos that really dominate the group. And um, as long as we can keep those two things at the core of what we do, then I think we've got um, every chance of achieving success in this league.
1: Yeah, and how have those things stayed in place despite? I mean, you've had a you've had a core group of players that, that's been together the whole time, but there's also been a lot of change at every AFLW team in the first few years with players coming and going. Have those things stayed in place throughout that time? Yeah, you- they have
2: definitely, and the players that come and go, um, they're not just sort of. You know we cut the cord and say see you later and we'll just get some better players and you weren't ever good enough we still keep in touch with a lot of those girls and you know we, we check in on them and um, you know see what's happening in their careers and their aspirations in footy and footy life and I think that's really important as well because um, it shows that this club was about developing relationships well before we and that's what we value rather than whether or not you can kick and catch a footy that well and I mean, at the end of the day, we're a professional sports team and it's about winning games. But for the players, it's it's more than just that. It's the relationships that you make. And I mean, you speak to any football player about what they love most about the game and it's always going to be, it's the friendships you make, the lifelong friendships. And I think it's the same in the men's space too. So um, whether or not you're in the team for one season or you've been in the team for three seasons, um, you get great mates out of this game. And um, the fact that we all still keep in touch is testament to that.
1: Absolutely. What's been the toughest thing you've had to deal with as captain? Was it was it losing in, in year one Yeah, that the time was, or that anything else that's really kind of tested you and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do here, but you've just had to figure it out?
2: Yeah, it's definitely when you have to deal – you feel like – well, it's probably my own flaw, feeling like I had to deal with something by myself – and dealing with the loss so you realize quickly as a captain that you can't do things by yourself and you have to rely on different people and the great thing about our leadership group is that everybody has a different strength that they bring to the table and when you put them all together it makes a pretty formidable team and um you know, you've got girls who are outspoken, you've got girls who just sit back and listen and um, you've got girls who've been in other clubs who can see things from a different perspective. So that's helped in more recent years and definitely something I I, I use in my leadership. Um, but also the, the dealing with the loss thing in, in season one was particularly difficult as well because you felt like the responsibility was on your shoulders as as a leader of the club and um, not not being in a professional environment before and not leading a team that had you know, a profile, you didn't really know what you were supposed to do. So am I supposed to get these girls going myself? Am I supposed to be doing extra leadership courses? Am I supposed to be talking to someone in particular from the club who's going to help me through this? What am I supposed to say to these girls? And that, that was really difficult because um, you felt like you needed to have a solution, but you just didn't know where to find it.
1: Yeah. What about the good moments? What have been your favourite your well, highlights as as captain in the first two and a bit years, where yeah, where it's just felt like this is how I want it to be and how it's always we've been trying to do.
2: It's always winning. Winning as an underdog, winning against the odds, has been the best thing because, as a girl who's raised been raised in Sydney and kind of just been you know shunned a little bit, um, you come together as a team and. You have a really wonderful team performance and you um, couldn't have played any better and the the structure works and girls are making brilliant tackles and you beat a team that rates themselves um, against the odds in front of a home crowd and everybody chips in to contribute, that's definitely by far the most exciting experience and I think uh, beating the Doggies last year in Canberra was the pinnacle in uh, my football experience.
0: Hamble required. She'll get it free. Ferrugia. This would be fitting the captain to a vacant goal. Gets the bounce he needs. Oh, they're giants, all right.
1: Well, in game 52 of the
0: competition, Greater Western Sydney have arrived. 18-point winners over the ladder leaders and into second spot. with one
2: round left. It's definitely something that I refer back to when times have been challenging this year. I just think about how exciting that moment was and how I want to try and replicate that feeling again and I think we'll get there eventually. But, um, yeah, that's definitely one of the highlights.
1: And are you excited about where this, where this whole thing could get to? Like, even if it takes a while and it's a slow burn and, and you end up being out of the game by the time at all, you know, girls can play footy uh, full-time, train every day of the week. Are you excited about that, about what might lie ahead for even if it's for others yeah you can't not be excited about
2: it um and I don't care if it takes a really long time for it to be a national competition with the, the full gamut of teams that's really irrelevant it's just I'm excited to see all of these young kids who've been in the pathway come through and how brilliant they are and you know if there's one or two of them in every team it's inf- going to infinitely lift the quality of the of the league and um, I'm looking forward to the day where girls can do this full time and they're fully professional and I want to see how athletic they are and I want to see their fitness improve and you know I'll be sitting on my recliner chair watching footy games and seeing these girls absolutely carve up and you know hopefully one day I might have a kid who's in that league and good enough to play and I'm excited to be able to take my own kids to games and um, they'll be able to say yeah I'm an AFL player and that's all I do because it'll be fully professional and it's, a, it's, an,
1: it's an exciting prospect yeah absolutely brilliant thanks Amanda Cool. good thanks, to Emma. chat Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to The Leaders. If you're not already a Giants member, head to membership.gwsgiants.com.au to sign up today. There's a package to suit everyone. And make sure to subscribe to The Leaders so you don't miss next week's episode featuring Giants netball head coach Julie Fitzgerald.